Amen. I tell you, if you have your Bibles tonight and you would, find the 12th chapter of Matthew. I have really messed up by telling you I'm going to preach short tonight. And uh, I was looking over my notes this afternoon and realized that I was going to try to preach on the unpardonable sin tonight. One of the most con, uh, uh, confusing and difficult uh, doctrines in the Bible, but I'm going to try to honor that. So about 15 till, if you would start throwing light bulbs at me, I would greatly appreciate it. And, uh, but no, tonight I want to title this sermon, Don't Miss What God is Doing. I have had the privilege of uh, my wife and I calling this church home since November of, um, I can't remember what year it was now, I think it was uh, 2009, so not near as long as many of you, um, but uh, today I want to tell you about what happened after church. I was sitting in the lobby, as I do after church on Sundays, talking and joking and ruining all the credibility I had just built after a sermon, and uh, a, uh, a young lady comes walking through the front door in tears. I don't know if you know this or not, but I live with enough women that when they come through the door crying with tears, it's going to be really bad, or it's going to be really good, or it could be absolutely nothing. You just never know what it's going to be. And uh, there was other people in the lobby today, and uh, some other says, I, I need you to come out to the car. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, you know. And uh, her daughter and her and her son got to food park. I don't know what it is about food park here lately, but apparently the Holy Spirit is really working in that parking lot. And uh, she said, her daughter said, Mom, I, I want to tell you something. I, uh, uh, this week at laying in bed, I, I admitted to Jesus that I was a sinner. And I've asked him to come into my heart and life and to forgive me of my sins, but I'm terrified of being in front of all them people and to be baptized. And so I haven't told you, um, but I, I, I think I need to tell you. And they proceeded to talk for a minute, and, and they wanted to come out and talk to me. And so after church today, I got the privilege of sitting out there on the bench um, in the gravel out there uh, talking to a young lady by the name of Henley Higginson. And talking about her, how she'd given her life to the Lord this one night this week. And we prayed and talked about it today. And, and uh, it's an exciting and wonderful time. Amen? Amen? To see what the Lord is doing. And I say that tonight because I don't believe there's ever been a time in the years that I've been here that I'm more excited about what God is doing. I've seen lots of people saved and lots of people come. But it just right now, it just seems like there is just an excitement. Uh, there is an excitement not always when the preaching's going on, but or the singing, as Jamie can attest. But uh, the Lord is just at work, and we're just God is doing amazing things, and so it's it's an exciting time. But I want to ask you this question tonight, and and really get you thinking about this: Do you want to miss what God is doing? I would think that all of us that are saved here tonight would say, well, no, I don't want to miss what God wants to do in my marriage. I I don't want to miss what God wants to do in our family. I I don't want to miss what God is doing in the lives of the people around us. But I want you to know that tonight you can. Tonight I want you to see from this text that you can make a choice to miss what God is trying to do in your life. And that's a scary thought when we're talking about blessings. But it's an even scarier thought when we talk about eternity. 
and salvation and where you're going to spend eternity, where your loved ones are going to spend eternity. And so if you've been with us or you haven't, we're trucking through the book of Matthew verse by verse. And we finished up last week and Jesus is teaching about the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are really beginning to up their anger and frustration with Jesus. And here in chapter 12, it comes to a breaking point. Jesus flat tells them how it is. And so I want to read the last two verses of this section and then we'll work our way through it. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, we're going to start in chapter 12, verse 31 and verse 32. Therefore, and so we're going to look at the before there here in just a moment. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Pray with me. Father, tonight I thank you so very, very much for the abundance of your blessing and goodness. Lord, I thank you for a gym full of children and kids and youth and workers. Lord, I thank you for... a pavilion full of kids and families and Lord I thank you for this group of men and women here tonight Lord that are hopefully here to hear from you not from me and so Lord I pray that you'd forgive me you know my selfishness you know my struggles you know the things that I Lord prioritize and so I just pray Lord that you'd forgive me and speak through me tonight Lord I pray that your spirit would be at work in the hearts and lives of your people Lord I'm so thankful for what you've done in Henley's life. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use that as a catalyst to continue to work and move in that family. We ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So tonight I want to take you through this passage of Scripture as quickly as I can. And tonight I want to start in verses 22 and 23. And so if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to work. God is in the business of doing good. God is in the business of doing good. Good. Look what it says here in verses 22 and 23. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? And if you're aware of that term, it is the Old Testament term for this king that they're expecting. You see, the Lord is at work in such a way that the people are beginning to say, this could be the one. This could be the one that we've been looking for, praying for, expecting. This could be it. This could be the pinnacle of our nation's existence. And you say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, at this time, they were under the authority of the Romans. A foreign government controlled them. A foreign army occupied them. And they're thinking, we're going to see a great and mighty military revival. The enemy's going to be driven away. We're going to set up this kingdom like it was in the days of David and Solomon. And we're going to be prosperous and we're going to have everything that we wanted. But I want you to know this, that God does good. And he is in the business of doing good. But it is only about him getting the glory, not you getting what you want. 
You say, well, Jake, why didn't God heal in my situation? Why didn't God work in my situation? I don't know the answer to that, but God must know that there is a greater way to get glory for himself than to give you everything that you want. You say, well, why would God heal this demon-possessed man and this blind and mute man, but yet I'm sure there were others that he didn't heal. And so tonight I want you to know that God does good not because you want him to, but God does good because he is good. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so tonight as you pray, and you pray and you believe that God can heal the sick, and God can raise the dead, and God can restore the broken, and God can save the lost, you need to remember that as you pray, you need to always be praying, Lord, whatever is your will, whatever is best, Lord, whatever is the thing that will be used for you and to bring glory to yourself. That's a hard way to pray. Now, I know you won't admit to that tonight. But praying and believing that God can do anything is a hard thing for most of us. Because we know that in the end, we always know that it is according to His will. And ultimately, all of us like to be in charge. You say, not me, I don't want to be in charge of anything. Really? How about the thermostat at home? How about the control that controls your television? You, 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 we all want to be. And when we pray asking God to do what is best according to His will, what we do is we are just acknowledging a truth that is already true. That God, you are in charge. God, you are the one that hung the stars and hung the moon and the sun, and I am not. And the most of us, we really do struggle with this because we think, most of the time, with the purest of motives, I know, that we know more than him. And most of us, if we're honest, we can even talk about the valleys that we've been through and look back now and say, wow, God really worked in those moments. They weren't fun when I was going through them. I wasn't rejoicing like the Bible said I should. I wasn't doing all things without complaining and disputing. But God worked in a mighty and special way in those times. Second things I want to show you tonight is this. That when God is in the business of doing good, followers of Satan always try to ruin the good that God is doing. Followers of Satan always try to ruin the good that God is doing. So look at the response to this man being healed in verse 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their what? Thoughts. And said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom Stand, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder the house. He who is not with me, 
is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. Because apparently the miracle had happened before. And they are hearing about it in the presence of Jesus. And as they hear it, they don't say it. But they begin to think it. And I don't know if you know this or not. But some of us, what we think is reflected in our face. Right? When I'm upset or frustrated or I think you're being dumb, you are going to know about it. Not because I say it, but because the look on my face. I'm trying so much harder to do better of that during business meetings. But it still don't always work when that happens. And, but can you imagine sitting here and Jesus walking up and begin to speak about the exact thing that you are thinking about in your mind? Simeon's, it would be quite comical. Simeon's, it would be quite awful. Simeon's, it would be quite wonderful. But I cannot imagine. I'd be sitting here thinking, don't think about anything. Don't think about anything. Don't think about anything, right? Because what if a thought popped in that shouldn't pop in and Jesus is like, boom, this is what you're talking about, thinking about. But we see here that, friends, when God is at work, Satan will always try to stop what God is doing. It says there that the Pharisees heard it. They said, this fellow does not cast their demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And so they begin to tell people that they know that Jesus is really the devil. He is really Satan at work in their communities and in their lives. And I want you to think about this morning because we're not talking about something that's unverifiable. We're not talking about the television ministry that tells you, if you send me $1,000, I'll send you a snot rag that'll clear your problems up. You know, We're talking about the fact that someone you have known your entire life or you have known for years that they are blind and mute. You have helped them in the street. You have helped them cross uh, cross the camel alley or whatever it is, right? You know that they're blind. You know that they're mute. You know this. You've seen it. You've watched it. And here is this individual that can now speak, that can now hear, that can now, all these things. And you're saying, huh, I've watched it. I've witnessed it. I have never been to the Grand Canyon. But I have heard it is amazing. But you people that have been there, when you come back and talk about it, it's amazing. I just can't believe it. I just, it's so, it's just, oh. I'm like, it's just so what? You got to put something on the end of that. It's just mind, it just, it's just, wow. But can you imagine what these people would have been going through? And here comes this select few group of spiritual people who says, that's not of God. That's of the devil. The devil is doing that work. The devil is the one that has control over his own. And I want you to see here, because Jesus begins to explain a simple truth about every kingdom divided, every city divided. And I want you to see right here in verse 28, it says, but if, but in the original language, it is because. He is saying, this is why it is happening. When we say, but if, it's kind of like this idea, well, maybe it is, maybe it is not. But what it really says in the original language is, because I. 
cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is specifically and clearly teaching them here. Without excuse, he is saying, I am the Son of God, the Spirit of God has came, and you need to recognize this is the work of God. There is no mistake. You see, it is as plain and as clear as it could possibly be today. You say, Jake, I'd believe the miracles if I saw the miracles. You say, Jake, I'd believe it if God would just speak it. You say, I'd believe it if God wrote it in the sky. In this case, Jesus is standing face to face with these men. And he says, you are attributing this to the devil. But I am telling you, I am who I am. I am here because the Father sent me. I'm here because the Spirit of God is at work. I am him. There's a point here because it is telling him they have no excuse. Because I want you to go on and say, see here. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless his first binds the strong man? He's saying, I have bound Satan. He is under my control, my authority, and he has no power here. And friends, I'm thankful for that. Amen? But I don't want you to miss this. Because he puts two groups of people that are on this planet. And there are two groups of people in eternity. He says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And I say all this tonight because right here is where everything hits, the rubber hits the road. Because I ask you this question tonight. And the third and final thing I want to show you is, how far is too far? How far is too far? You see, I believe the Bible teaches that God can forgive you of your sins. Doesn't matter if it's murder, doesn't matter if it's pride, doesn't matter if it's lust. But Jesus says right here, there is a sin that is unforgivable. And tonight I want you to think about that because it should cause all of us to listen. It should cause all of us to pay attention. And the question is, how far is too far? Have you, ever, uh, have you ever tried to give your kids some leeway, right? You know, used to, I'd have spanked you for that, but now we're on kid number six, and I don't even know what a spanking is at this point, right? But sometimes you look at your kids and say, that was too far. You took that one too far. Or I have been accused in my life of taking jokes too far, right? Those comments should have stopped eight minutes ago, Jake, and you just kept right on beating that dead horse. But listen to what Jesus says. If you choose or reject, this is what he says. Therefore I say to you that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. One, I want to tell you what this sin is not. I have been accused many times in my ministry. As you know, I preach verse by verse, book by book. As I preached through 1 Corinthians, that was a challenging time. I preached through other challenging uh, verses. And I have literally had people tell me that, Jake, because you have preached against the misuse of the Holy Spirit, you've preached against churches that have taken the verses of the Holy Spirit and what He does and how He works 
out of context that that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and you cannot be forgiven. That is not what it's talking about here. It is not wrong to look at what is going on and say, if that's really the Spirit of God, let's see the evidence. It's not wrong to say this is what the Bible says about how the Spirit of God works. What he's talking about here, and this is what I want you to see, starts from the book of John chapter 3. And I want you to write these down because I'm going to go as quick as I can as I run to the finish. In John the third chapter, verse 19, this is what it says. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, not only will you stand before God on His judgment day when He judges the lost and the saved and have to give an account for your sins if you died apart from Jesus, you will also have to give an account for the light that was shown to you and you said no. That is why I believe unapologetically that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Because look what it says here. It says that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. And so what it means to quench and speak and blasphemy the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of your sin and shows you that Jesus is the Son of God. The fact that He did die on the cross for your sins and for mine and that He was risen from the dead and you can be saved. It is that moment when the Spirit of God takes what Jesus said to these men and says, I am who I said that I am. That's why we believe that you have to first admit what? That you are a... Then you have to believe something. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died upon the cross, that He was buried, that He rose again for the sins of you and I. You have to believe that. And third and finally, you have to what? You have to confess that He is the Lord and Savior of your life. But look what this verse says through John. And this is condemnation. It doesn't say, and this is condemnation, that you're a murderer. It doesn't say, and this is condemnation, that you're a liar. It doesn't say that in this condemnation, you're a thief. It says condemnation is this. Condemnation is the same thing as unforgiveness. You have been condemned to die for the unforgiveness of sin in your life. And it says, and this is condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God convicts you of your need to be saved. When you know that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He was buried and rose again, and instead of confessing your sins, you say, no. I want to show you because I want to continue this on because I don't want you just to believe it's one verse that I'm pulling it from. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verses 10 through 12. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Perish is the lost. Those who are going to die and spend eternity away from Jesus Christ. Because they did not, what? Receive the love of truth that they might be saved. Go on to verse 11. And for this reason. I don't want you to miss this, friends. Because the question of how far is too far gone. And for this reason, God 
will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie. You say, wait a second. That doesn't say Satan sent delusion. Absolutely not. Friends, there will come a point in your life when you've said no to Jesus long enough that he will send that spirit into your life that gets you to believe a lie. That's why I want you to hear this this morning. The longer you sit in church and reject what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life, the harder and harder you become. The more difficult and difficult and difficult it is for you to respond. Because what this verse says is, if you keep saying no to Jesus, you keep saying no to what the Spirit's doing, He will send the delusion into your life that gets you to believe the lie that I've got more time. That I'm really not that bad. But I want you to see this. That they all may be condemned. You're saying wait a second. God's going to allow me to go the wrong direction. If that's what I choose. Absolutely. Because I want you to see why. That they all may be condemned. Who what? Did not believe the truth. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Today, I want you to look up here. You can listen to me preach Sunday after Sunday. The Spirit of God can be at work in your life that you need to be saved, that you need to repent of your sins, that you need and believe that Jesus is who He said He is, that He died for your sins, and you can say, but I love my sin more than I love Jesus. I love my way of doing things more than I love doing things the way that Jesus wants me to. And God will be long-suffering. God will be merciful. But there will come a day, and I don't know when that day is. Proverbs 22 says that. I believe there's hope up until the day that you die. But what it says here is, if you want to say no to Jesus, and you want to say no to Jesus, at some point, God is going to say, fine. You can have your way. And I want you to look up here. If depart from me, I never knew you is the scariest thing that I've ever read in the Bible. This has to be second. Because how many people are sitting on these pews, or these chairs, excuse me, tonight, and God said, fine. If you want to make a mess of your marriage, you make it. If you want to let pride and sin destroy your life, He'll let you. And tonight if you're here and you say, I'm not going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it says right there that he'll let you. Friends, I believe that God is a loving God. I believe when the Bible says he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. But he will not force his love upon you. And that's what that verse says. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the what? The truth. And in this verse that we've read tonight, Jesus does what? He stands right before him and he says, I am the Son of God. I am working in the Spirit of God. I am the one that has been sent from the Father. Here I am. And he says, you can either receive it or you can what? Reject it. And I'm no Jesus, but I am his messenger tonight to tell you that this book says, repent of your sins. And be saved. Christian tonight. Repent. And don't let the consequences. Of your sin. Destroy your life. 
You say, well, Jake, what else does it say in that wonderful book that you talk about? Well, I want to show you a few more verses. Romans, the 11th chapter, verse 11. As it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. He is saying, they've rejected me, they've refused me, they've resisted me, and he says, I am going to let them go that direction, and I will even help them on their way. Friends, I want you to hear this tonight because I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make God sound cruel, but I am trying to show you that God is long-suffering, but at some point God says enough is enough. You say, well, Jake, what did they do in this, in this book that Paul wrote to the Romans? Read the entire Old Testament. And God says that's what the Jewish people have done. They've killed the prophets. They've stoned the men of God. They have rebelled. They've created idols. They've committed spiritual adultery. This entire time, they have ran and done all of these things. And God says, that's the direction they want to go. And that's the choices they're going to make. It's kind of like when Pharaoh hardened his heart. God hardened it as well. Friends, I have talked to people about the Lord. Talked to people about the Lord. And we were having this conversation at lunch. And they were so close. But the longer they said no, you know what happened? The harder they got. The harder they got. The harder they got. And friends, I want you to know why. Because God's letting them. Another verse I want to show you tonight as I'm trying my best to quickly end. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verses four through six. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put Him to open shame. Paul is saying this, if it was possible for you to lose your salvation, you could never get it back. Never. You say, Jake, I was raised generally Baptist. I was raised generally Baptist. You can have it, you can lose it, you can have it, you can lose it, you can have it, you can lose it. I, I was raised that way. Now, I don't believe you lose it because you said a swear word, okay? I believe you had to deny the Lord like it, that's what they taught. But what Paul says is, if you could lose it, you will spend the rest of your entire life walking on your way to hell with no hope. That's what he says. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, I believe it was Paul, some people believe it was Luke, writes in this letter, if you lost it, there is no amount of preaching, there is no amount of, amount of Holy Spirit conviction, there is nothing that could happen to you because Jesus could not die for you again. That's what free will Baptists believe. They believe that you can lose it and there's nothing you can do about it. That, from this verse, you can make that argument. But the idea that you can have it and lose it and have it and lose it, it's not scriptural. You either return, or you either leave because you never had it. Or you have no hope. You see, I believe my Bible teaches this. When you are truly saved, God saves you and He saves you completely and He puts you in the palm of His hand and there's nothing that can separate you from His love. 
But I also believe that there are churches full, and I believe it's this one too, and you can get mad at me if you don't like it, I don't care, of people who think they're saved, but are not. Friends, I want to give you a word of hope tonight. If you weren't saved, and you're not saved, you guess what you can be? Saved. If you believe what this verse says in another denomination, you've lost it, and you're hopeless. I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe the what? The one that says you can be saved. You might have been baptized 37 times in your life. You ain't any more saved than me taking a bath every day. But friends, tonight if you're here and the Spirit of God is convicting you and you say, Jake, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. Tonight, God will save you from your sins. That's a great hope. And the final verse tonight. And I want to give you time to write these down because I don't want you to, to miss any of them. It comes from Genesis, the sixth chapter, verse three. And we know Genesis, the sixth chapter, and what's getting ready to happen in the book of Genesis. And listen to what the Lord says. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Friends, like I said, my beliefs change all the time. Not the core ones, but the little things that I think about, the Bible and the Scriptures. And friends, I don't know when that point comes, but the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you have said no to Jesus Christ, the evidence that has been presented to you. I want you to think about this. Jesus was a redeeming lover in this first few verses, right? He loved them. And this is from Adrian Rogers, so I didn't come up with this part. He loved them in a redeeming way. He was there to forgive them and heal them, and they rejected him. Then he reasoned with them. How can people on the same team fight each other and be stronger? How can a house fight against itself and be stronger? That doesn't even make sense, right? That don't make sense. You can see it in the media today. They've turned us against each other. They've tore our nation apart. I think if we would just, anyway, I don't want to get on that topic tonight because we won't get out of here early. But friends, that's what he says. They didn't, they didn't even listen to reason. And then finally says, this is the truth. I am him. And then they had to reject the Savior. And tonight, friends, God will convict you with love through his Holy Spirit. He will convict you with reason. Why die and go to hell when you can die and have eternal life? But friends, the final straw is when conviction says, this is Jesus. You can either reject it or accept it. And friends, when you say that's not the Spirit of God, and that's not the Son of God, Jesus says there is no forgiveness here or there. There's no do-overs. There's no moving from a holding purgatory up. That's it. And so today I want you to know this, that God loves you. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible comes from the very last chapter, and you know what it is. The very last chapter in the book of Revelations. I want you to start right here in verse 16. It's not on the board, but I want you to write it down. In verse 16 of the 22nd chapter, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. 
I am the root and the offspring of who? David. And bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus says, come. Tonight, come. You can be saved. Tonight, come, Christian, and you can be forgiven. But he says there tonight that if you say no, God will let you. And friends, at one point, God will say enough is enough. You can have your way. Tonight, I pray that you'll say no, no longer, and say yes to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so very, very much for your word. Lord, I pray that I have just preached what is here tonight in a clear and truthful way. Lord, I'm thankful that you save us and keep us. But Lord, for those that are here tonight that are not sure, those that are here tonight, Lord, that don't know you, those that are here tonight, Lord, that have lost family members and friends that have been saying no, tonight, Lord, I hope that you'd break our hearts for them and that we would fill these altars as we pray for the lost, we pray for those that we love. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.